Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational KeyForge podcast by and for KeyForge friends. I am your host, Blake, and I am joined this week by the illustrious SC Steel. What's going on, Sydney? Oh my gosh. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be back from Roseville. So much traveling for vaults recently. Right. And we, we also have a, a vault tour winner with us today. Um, please welcome Future Self to our Help from Future Self podcast. June, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y'all call me June. Uh, for everyone at home, I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm doing great. I've been over the moon since um, since Roseville. And just honestly, I've become like a miserable person to my friends. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just rubbing it in their faces. It's been great. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Are your friends Keyforge uh, players as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. That's, that is a great title to get to uh, lord over them. So congratulations. And TTR <laughs> belt winner. True. Oh. That's that's the big one. Um, <laughs> okay. It's actually also been really great for like introducing new friends into Keyforge because I posted a bunch on like social media and people who are like into card games are like coming out of the woodwork and like want me to teach them the game. It's awesome. Oh, that's oh, so great. Love it. Yeah. Community growth is always fantastic. So uh, thank you for being a part of, of that journey as well because that's uh, super important to Keyforge right now. So. Uh, kudos to you. Yeah, just win a vault tour and then people will start playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Notoriety and then with it goes uh, people wanting to associate with you. I'm, yeah. I'm trying, <laughs> June, I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I know, I know, we'll get there. So uh, we have some news to talk about before we get into this week's topic, which this week's topic is actually just having an interview with June because um, obviously being a vault tour winner, there's a lot of experience. And then both Sydney and June got to experience the new format of Playstyle 2LO. So we want to hear all about that, obviously, to share that with our listeners, because I'm sure some people have been on the fence potentially about going to a vault tour. And now with this new system in place, it will give some people some insight and they can pull that trigger and, and join their their Keyforge friends. So first off, Sydney, we got some backlog of news since last episode we need to cover. So could you just fill in our listeners with what's transpired since we last dropped an episode? Oh my gosh, so much. So so much is going on. They they love to drop stuff right after we record. Always. Um, uh, always. I, I expect actually once we stop recording here, there'd be even more stuff. Um, but since we've last recorded, uh, some nationals have been announced. So there are different countries around the world that are getting their nationals. And I, I don't I don't have them all listed here. I know there are at least 11 because unfortunately, hilariously enough, the first 10 to get awarded their nationals were getting uh, travel reimbursements for the winners. And so poor Germany awarded number the 11. And so they, they will also have a nationals, but they, they aren't getting the um, travel reimbursement for their winners. But congratulations to all of the countries around the world. And I'm I'm sad I can't go to all of them, but there is going to be one in Canada that uh, I've been I've been scheming with some people to go to. I will not be going to that. Oh, <laughs> so Unfortunately, close. I'm going to Vegas. I've confirmed my Vegas trip. So that is that is booked. So you if you're going to Vegas, you can come see me there. Um, Sydney, you're going as well, right? Absolutely. You can see the Help from Future Self team. You can see us yep, together we'll in, in person for the first time ever. Yes. So um, I hope to see you all there. But if not, um, Sydney may be in Kingston, Ontario. That's where it's going to be. That's like very far from me. That's way further than Vegas <laughs> for me, even though it's in my own country. So, Aww. But without further ado, let's get into the most recent news, which which did create a bit of a stir inside the community. Um, I, I will admit that the the announcement that Grim Reminders will be a game found campaign as well uh, came as a bit of a shock to me. I was, I think it was just my expectation was that we were going to see it move into stores, get the product. You go buy the stores like we did pre pandemic, I guess, really. And um, getting that news hurt a little bit. And I, I went off on our discord ever so slightly just for a moment. And then I kind of, really read through the article and I've I've pulled back from how I originally felt. And I actually don't think this is that big of a deal. Uh, there, For one, we got retailers pledges. So retailers yeah. can now be a part of it, which was not the case before. Um, two is the entire article, I would say, was an acknowledgement of the mistakes that occurred from the mm -hmm. first GameFound campaign. So yeah. that alone, they said, we've learned so much from this. 
And as a result, they've chosen not to do certain things. One of them being English will be the only language because that is what caused the most issues. Yes. English will be the only language in the GameFound campaign. They're still going to yes. actually have localized languages so that they're Correct. they're they're not shortchanging other languages. What they're doing is not screwing over people who want it in other languages. Effectively, yeah. like they're still going to be getting their decks at the same time they would. They just won't yes. be part of the game found, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. And I think it, that was a. Uh, I think it's the greatest pain point why we've had so many issues with the game found. I think stemmed from the overambition of trying to fulfill so much and then recognizing now in practice that it didn't work. And that's really what it was. It was it was an acknowledgement of it. Like pretty much the entire article was just an acknowledgement of how things did not go the way they wanted. Um, they also mentioned the incredible amount of infrastructure that was conceived during this initial game found campaign so things were being created for the first time and now those things are in place so those pain points don't even exist anymore in the second run it sounds like it's going to be a much more modest campaign so i and the the predicted time is to be coming out in January potentially, if all goes well and there's no hiccups, January is what they're they're saying. So um, I know a lot of people's reaction is right off the top. They felt well, some of us don't even have our original ones yet, and that and that is the the European market. I think and Asian markets are particularly um, feeling hurt by this. Uh, the I think the truth of the matter is. Um, the, the show must go on and the truth is that there's nothing like they're they're done on their end of producing it's actually just in the mix of fulfillment through shipping and logistics that are that are causing it to not be in those areas hands right now so I, I think it makes sense to keep moving on with the game as scheduled and it's just unfortunate that it's come this way but I um, it, it particularly hurt me a little bit and I shared this with Sydney last night when Wasi plays this this actually, he did not feel very inclined to this announcement of another game found because he hasn't got his. Um, for those of you who don't know, he is the reason why I play Keyforge. I was playing Pokemon, and uh, he mentioned Keyforge, and I was so intrigued by it that I went out and got some decks. So that was a little bit sad for me, but I, I think we're all going to move forward in a really positive way from here. And I think the initial shock because Game Found original campaign was so rocky is what's causing this. So, what are your thoughts? The last piece of data I want to add before I, I pass it over to June is the it will kick off the GameFound campaign kicks off Friday, September 28th and ends on October 17th. And if you follow the campaign on GameFound, um, they are giving a free gift like they did with the first campaign. So they're already about 1600 board gamers following this. So it's. It's still getting traction. It, it is, in fact, going to be a, a campaign that I think kicks off with actual uh, momentum, which is, I think, good for Ghost Galaxy. But, uh, June, yeah, what do, what do you think? Honestly, I feel like uh, Deer with the Sugar Cube is just like, oh, yeah, this is something sick that I love. Like, I'm not like, I I tend to not think super about, like, retail or, like, community or anything because I'm kind of just getting into those things. Um, I'm just... I'm kind of addicted to like kickstarting board games and um, here's a game I love with another Kickstarter. Like, heck yeah. Um, and honestly, I think, you know, the sooner they start their next set, like the sooner they can learn more lessons from from uh, crowdfunding, just like they did with the first one. And like, they're obviously still learning those lessons, but doesn't mean they shouldn't start the next set. I, I think this will get them on... I think this will get them onto a fantastic schedule too, because if they want to be on a regular release schedule, like a, a normal card game, then they, they have to start somewhere. And so the longer they wait, the, the less consistency they have to go on. So I think that getting this out there now, even though it's, it's not starting yet. And so they're getting the information out there so that they can set up and be prepared for when it does. I think that that will set us up for set ghost galaxy up for success in the future. Totally. And I, I also think that the truth of the matter is I think the climate of gaming companies has changed since COVID. Like it, there was so much burning that being able to fund your next project mm -hmm. before you've gone to production potentially is um, is just, it's actually something we need to accept. The, the truth is the world has changed in every almost aspect mm -hmm. of commerce and business everything has changed since covid because so many things were presented in a way that had to be problem solved and new ways came out 
things almost went out of business. Some did go out of business as a result. So I think we're just in a place now where um, we are reacting because the truth is the majority of us, we are core Keyforge players since Coda. Things were a certain way. We don't like change. We It's very obvious our community doesn't like change. Like the amount of uproar that has come through various announcements of things not being the way they were has caused um, people to feel some kind of way. And I think we just need to all be a little more malleable and allow things to shape the way that our, our new stewards of the game in Ghost Galaxy decide. And yes, there was a rocky start, but this is actually, if anything, a chance to be shown that, you know what, that that was a one-off and, and we got this and this is going to be run smoothly moving forward. So I think, I, it, but the truth is, if this doesn't go well, then, then there's going to be a problem. But I think if this goes very smoothly, which I think the fact that they acknowledged so much ownership of we had mistakes occur is a is a really really great thing to see. I don't think FFG ever acknowledged a mistake. So teaser for later in the episode, they've already have a proven track record of changing something we all dislike and making it better. And so that is that is something that we'll be talking about later in the episode. All right. So without further ado, June, tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, just tell, tell you about my. Um, uh, I'm uh, in love with this girl named Becky. Uh, she's, <laughs> uh, she's, you know, she's beautiful. She does it all. Um, yeah. So I kind of am obsessed with this deck. I opened it up in <laughs> a, in a seals uh, four person match locally, and like have been playing it nonstop ever since. That's kind of the kind of like player I am. Hold on, wait, I have, to, I, have to, I have to stop yeah. for a second here. So what is the full name of this deck that you fell in love with? Uh, Becky Axel Jintroflow. What awesome. a great name. Right? And then the second thing you said that I instantly have to pause to, you said a four-person keyword. Do you mean there was four of you playing, or you actually were playing four people <laughs> at the same time? I just want to clarify that. I mean, my friends and I game, have, been doing the, have been doing that, and Crystal Hive is absolutely broken, you'll see. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, no, I meant like a, a four, uh, four pod event. of people. Yeah, okay. Pod, yeah. Understood. Okay. But cool. yeah, just this tiny event at this little store and open up this deck that like has just blown apart my understanding of Keyforge really. Um, what set is yeah. it from? Uh, it's Mass Mutation. It's like okay. a logo Star Alliance Shadows deck with the terrible cards in, <laughs> in Star Alliance and Shadows, but it makes it work. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, so when you mentioned earlier that you, you got into Keyforge at like a Coda pre-release and you've been playing yeah. for a long, long time. So have you have you had like a, a long journey getting to Becky or have, have you just been like playing Keyforge in your, your kitchen table with your friends since since Coda? Yeah. Um, well, I found the game actually because I was a Netrunner player, just kitchen table, just um, and I love that game. I think it's probably the best design, design card game ever. Love um, it. But that, as some know, that game was discontinued, um, and Keyforge was starting like very soon after. Also designed by Richard Garfield, so I was like, "Hey, let's give this a try." I went to a pre-release and just kind of like fell in love. Like it's just a really, really fun game. Like I really like the the aspect of um, racing your opponent and also like figuring out what each of you are even doing because <laughs> it's always a little bit different. Um, I've just been playing really locally um, for ages. I'm a little bit of a shark around here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, so there's that. But uh, And I actually did have one other deck I was obsessed with. It was called Steadfast Stone Violet. I played it in Albany while tour. Um, another really cool like combo deck. Um, I tend to be like that where I have these decks where I play... 800, 1,000, 1,200 times. And it's just, that's that's it. That's me. And that's how people know me. And they hate it when I show up with that deck. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So Blake and I were chatting recently about how the fact that like, I'm still learning things about a deck once I get to like mm -hmm. the hundredth play and like hear you saying that you play your deck so many times, like it totally validates. Like once I get stuck on a deck, I just, I love it so much. I never want to give it up. Absolutely. I was talking to a player of Vargast, um, 
about this and like he was uh talking to me post uh roseville and saying it's like really cool to see somebody who like has mastered their deck inside it out i was like actually um i haven't <laughs> i'm still <laughs> learning becky becky is still teaching me lessons i think even like the top eight in roseville every game taught me like so much um i uh i don't think i could have even won roseville if not for the 200 games I played in between uh, Philly and then. Um, sure. Well, your deck has so many thinking and and points yeah. where you have to play based on what your opponent has in their deck. So can you actually tell us a little bit about how your deck plays? Because I know that it takes a level of skill to play a deck that is the opposite of a solitaire game, to play where you need to base your strategy based on what your opponent is doing. So your deck yeah. is an interaction deck. You're, you don't have a game plan that you execute. It's like you are always, your opponent dictates how your deck interacts. I wouldn't say it's quite that reactive. Okay. Um, but I would say it's, uh, well, I don't want to spill everything before Worlds. Oh, but that's it's true. Like a, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, Give us uh, the Coles notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it... Um, it takes a while to get going, right? So in that sense, you do have to react to how your faster opponent is going. So how long you can set up, and what you, what it is even that you want to set up. Like what at what point of the game are you going to blow up your archives? Uh, is very important to how you set up that archive. Like sure. from the very first card you archive, maybe turn one or two. Um, and like seeing the way your opponent is drawing and uh, and where those important cards in their deck are is so incredibly important and something that a like you learn uh, through playing against their deck or decks like them often, but also just through learning how your your deck plays into different matchups. Um, Becky's taught me a lot through like the process of archiving. It's kind of demanding that you plan ahead through, throughout the game for the end of the game, um, which is totally different from how I'm used to playing Keyforge. Totally. So I actually have a question about all these enhancements. How do you think the, the deck would be different if the enhancements weren't as prevalent or if they maybe were on different cards? Do you think that the enhancements where they are make the deck so unique that that's what makes it flow? Uh, well, for one, um, like my Exodia tech like would not be possible uh, if not for the drop pips on my Star Alliance actions. Sure. Um, there's there's no chance of rule of sixing if I can't um, can't blow up all those upgrades and put them back in and draw them sure. again. Sure. Um, for another, like <laughs> Vision Bloom is one of those cards where sometimes you're just so unhappy to see it because it doesn't do anything in your deck. <laughs> but um, yeah, having a, a few having three cards with double pips and logos uh, means that vision bloom is a real threat um, and means that even like a single card turn can be, can be quite eventful. Mm. Now, totally. You mentioned you play so many reps. I'm just curious. Yeah. Do you always play against other people or do you sometimes do like a goldfish just to, to be able to have, I guess, an internalized um, interaction with how your deck could possibly play? Um, I haven't done that in ages. Um, basically, since I started playing on TCO, it just Got kind it. of replaced okay. that for me. Um, I just like if if Becky were uh, like a, a game on my phone, right? I'd be playing it all day, right? And that's what <laughs> I do. Is I um, uh, people will see? I'm sure people now recognize me as a as somebody on TCO, but like I have been spamming games for ages there. Um, just because it's fun, honestly. Becky is just so fun and like teaches me so much every game. I uh, it's not even for the sake of practice at this point. Okay. Yeah. Just a so, pure love of jamming games with Becky. Yeah. So before Philly, did you have any like high level OP experience? Was there were there any like primes or or any vault tours? Like, have you gone to anything pre pandemic? Yeah, so I'm Albany based, and um, I I went to the Albany Vault Tour. I brought my um, my my previous love, Steadfast, with me. Um, I think I played against Big Z and kind of blew him out, but other than that, <laughs> um, didn't have too good of a showing. Um, just ran into a bad matchup in uh, 
in uh, day one. Uh, but it was it was a great time, especially like being there with like a lot of the local people. Um, I went down to uh, Grand Champs in Washington D.C., which was like sealed triad. Whoa! I was there in I AOA, was yeah. the worst format I've ever played. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Horrendous. Hands down. Like, you have to you have to win with all three decks, and it's AOA sealed, and like one or two of them are terrible. I hated it. I hated it so right? much. I don't know about you, but I was I was cursed with I had two decks that didn't have shadows and one deck that did have shadows. So because you couldn't see anything, but you're banning based on house combinations. Yeah. So because I only had one deck with shadows and it's a they're like, yep, that one every single time. So you're playing your worst two decks from. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was playing without Amber control. Basically, it was. Great. Yep. It was good. Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was basically it. That and like local and um Online play. I played in um, the Australian Keyforge League a couple times. Cool. Um, had good showings there, and I did a uh, some team events. Um, my team made it to the finals uh, and lost to APR. I forget what was the what the event was though. Sure. I w- that's yeah. going to be my next question. So when when everything went online, did did you continue to play competitively? Um, no, I slowed down a lot. Actually, my friends have caught up to me a little bit um, because <laughs> they like my friend uh, Metaps has like been so into into the scene has actually kind of kept me playing through nice. uh, COVID uh, and encouraged me to join leagues. Um, but uh, no, it's been more just me, me jamming games with Becky all all. Um, all during pandemic it was we keep joking that it was kind of like a hyperbolic time chamber and the people that have kept up with the game are just coming out like insane players uh compared to like when they came in you were just repping you knew you were preparing like you you your future self came back and visited and told you just play becky no matter what else you do just continue to play becky well i've actually been saying since like the start like my friends are just like uh like why are you playing becky against us like you, she's gonna crush us i was like yeah that's true like she can win a vault tour she actually earned she deserves it <laughs> um and it's true like she's a, a like a interesting deck that like can play into a lot of different matchups um and i think it's something that a lot of people have trouble recognizing um because it's i don't well, a because it's like a 78 sass deck right um and B, because the lines of play, like, develop as you play it and, like, figure out how you can, like, totally uh, change, like, your game plan into, like, the second redraw or third redraw of the deck. Um, I think, honestly, I've been saying since the start that SAS holds people back from being better players. Um, Hot because take. They don't. They don't play their seventy-eight sass decks a thousand times. They play them twenty times, and then they're like, "Yeah, this is pretty good," or like, or like one or two times. Yeah. Um, and like, not only has like playing this deck a thousand times, or actually, I would say that I've probably played it about twelve or thirteen hundred times and won about a thousand times. Wow. Um, yeah, so now now when people ask me for advice, I just say win a thousand games. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um but like every one of those games, especially the losses, like has taught me not just about the deck, but about Keyforge. Um and I I just think that, you know, just practice. <laughs> just practice. Play like see what a deck can do because uh, as I said, the deck has gotten better with time. Um, so you have no clue how good, like, some deck in your collection is because you haven't played it yet. Right. So moving forward in time, when the, the Vault Tour season was announced and you, you knew the slate of what was going to happen this year, what made you decide, yes, I'm bringing, oh, you, did you bring Becky to Philly? Oh, Yeah. What yeah. made you decide I'm going to Philly and I'm bringing Becky to Philly? Um, Philly was an easy drive for us, and it was like the soonest one, right? So just like heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, but um, it was also an obvious choice. My friends and I were tr- like our local little think tank 
they were saying, oh, let's do some playtesting, figure out what decks I'm bringing. I'm just like, I'm, I'm bringing Becky. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, a, a, I'm in love. Uh, and B, uh, like, she hasn't gotten to really play except for online because she's a mass mutation stack, right? They haven't gotten to come out until just now um, with this this recent uh, slate of altars. So, so we have to at least see how it will see how it'll do. Um, and I know it it actually it plays well into a lot of different matchups. It doesn't really have uh, anything. It's like a trying to avoid. It just it just works. <laughs> You know. Did you practice any differently? Did you think about what might be at Philly, or were you just ready to face anything? Uh, no, I'm not one of those players who <laughs> people are constantly telling me that like they played against this deck, like a, a famous deck, or like oh, the famous deck is at the event. I'm just like, oh, I actually don't know what that is. That's You're cool. gonna be no. that now. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. People are gonna be like, oh, Becky'll be there, and like by name of deck. <laughs> It's true. I know. I gotta. gotta You created this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I actually actually had no idea. And it's so funny, too, because the deck that won Philly was kind of, kind of came out of nowhere as well. Yeah. I mean, from a player who's very good and like known, but yeah. So what what happened in Philly? Because I this I think this might be a, an interesting segue where we can talk about tournament formats. So one, how did your Philly tournament go? How was the the uh, the two loss and out system with with you in that day? Like, what what? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so the, so a I I played sick at Philly. Uh, I only lost to uh, Devin, um, who won uh, right. flaming hobo a Uh Great deck. That was a great match too. Um, so I lost that in, in round four, and because of that, ended up with like a four or five hour break. Right. Um, and unfortunately, like where I was in my life at that time, like that was enough time for like some uh, like personal conflicts to like arise and just like stress me out and I, like took a nap. I actually missed my round uh, by like 10 minutes. Oh, um, no. Really unfortunate. Um yeah, that and, was just the most yeah. stressful experience possible. Like for people who hadn't, yeah. weren't able to play that way. Like the idea of cooling down, having time to sit and think and do nothing. Like, and you yeah. you can't play in something else. Otherwise your brain is somewhere else. Like how did, how did those four hours like feel to you? Um, It felt just kind of like purgatory. Yeah. Like, right? just, yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, I was just waiting for a waiting for like even a chance to, to like get in so it's just like it's it's not like waiting for day two um where you like you know you're like you're you're in the event it's like oh I, i'm waiting and then like i might i might still get knocked out before like the real thing starts you know mm. okay um, and then now let's fast forward to this previous vault tour where it was the launch of the 2lo system what was that experience like for you? I mean, I'm assuming, did you have any losses is the first question. Yes. I okay. lost in round four to Devin. <laughs> <laughs> you literally repeated the exact, exact same, same thing. round. Yeah. Wow. He's not, yeah. He's my rival he, now. <laughs> honestly, this is actually awesome, though, because you did the exact same thing in both vault tours. So mm-hmm. now what was your experience after this loss? What happened next? I mean, I, I, I played a game after and I like I was still on top of my game. I was like I crushed it and amazing. Um I uh you know, it was like a much smaller room and I saw like my other friends there playing with me also fighting for that same chance and uh I got to talk to my fr- my friend Medavs who had lost to uh Devin in the previous round. So it's like okay, one of us has we have to get in and <laughs> and and kick his butt when we get back in there. Um, it, it was just so much more seamless just to like get to play five games of Keyforge and like have a lunch like that. That was it. Um, and like, I don't know why it would need to really be more complicated than that. Cause it like effectively is like an extremely similar, like system in terms of like how eliminations work as far as I understand it. Right. Yeah. So how uh, did the awesome. whole... 
How did the whole day go? So, cause like in that case, you also had more time to yourself. Like, was it, was it, what did you do in the, in the evening? Did you play more games of Becky or did you like just go out and grab dinner and celebrate making day two? Oh, um, what did we do? Uh, yeah, we just played, we went, (laughs) we played like a ton of games. Um, like we got dinner and we came back to the event and just started jamming games again. We played some four player keyboards. That was fun. Um, uh, and honestly, uh, I played with Beyblades until like 1am. I, that was, I did not do a lot of prop prepping there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You were braver than probably like, I was in bed by like a dumb early time, like getting rid of all of my nerves. Okay. I have to, I have to inquire about four person Keyforge. You got to tell me about this. What is four person Keyforge? How does it work? Okay, so four-person Keyforge is uh, team Keyforge, right? Oh, okay. So you have two teams. Um, at least how this is the way we we figured it. Um, two teams. Each team only has three keys to make. Um, however, they don't have a shared am- amber pool um, or a shared uh, forge a key step. Oh. So each player has uh, their own amber pool and potentially... Both members of a team are like uh, are threatening to forge a key on the same turn, and as soon as they oh, forge okay. three, it's over. So it can actually be a bit of a faster game in some ways, which is necessary because the turns tend to be longer. Right. Um, and uh, turns are actually taken simultaneously uh, by each team, so you can play cards in between your teammates' cards, which is really cool for things like time traveler. Because if you don't have a way to knock out your time traveler, your your teammate can play like a poison wave and like kill it, and then you get to help from future self in the same turn. Oh, um, cool! That's really creates, cool. Yeah. So, do you guys call did the same house? Like, you each called your house for your turn. Yeah, yeah, and then we play ca- cards like intersperse, and often like it ends up just being like you know, simultaneous because it doesn't matter too much if you're just jamming creatures or something. But like there ends up being a lot of really interesting things like that or like something like um, Axiom of Grisk, like you start capturing on creatures during your like th- with one of your teammates cards and then you Axiom. Um, it makes for like some really cool communication um, and like combos you wouldn't think about. I love oh, it. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank you for I- sharing that. How'd you come up with it? Like, what made you guys decide to sit down and play a game that wasn't just two, like, 1v1 by two people? Um, I don't know, like, Delirium? (laughs) 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 Oh, why would you, why would you ever choose to do that? It just seemed fun. I don't know. Um, we just been jamming Keyforge all day, and it was just like, hey, we've got these decks, like, we're not sure if we would even want to play, like, let's let's try this out, and, like see what happens and it was more like the moment we like joked about that it became like okay well like actually what would be good and like <laughs> and like what are, what are, would be the degenerate cards that like it was just like a fun thought experiment to th- think of like oh like what are the card like what cards are worded in a way that they would make a really weird interaction with four players um, okay because we actually made a- specifically for it uh, I'm still figuring that out. I have to like, I guess I have to figure out the meta. Um, okay. uh, but, um, we had this ruling that, um, your opponent only refers to the person across the table from you. So not both players on the opposite team. Um, so that means like you could only generally control the Amber of, of that other opponent. Uh, which means that like both your decks have to be like ready at all times. It's, it makes really interesting scenarios and also like allows some cards that interact differently with Amber, say like all players or something like that, um, to really shine. It's cool to see something like that. Or like Crystal Hive says, like for the remainder of the turn, whenever a creature reaps, you gain one Amber. So right. anytime either of you reap, you gain Amber. So it makes this crazy burst. Oh really my gosh, hilarious. that's so cool. Yeah, that's fun. So you you use you use the specific wording and you take it in a literal sense, basically. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, I definitely want to play some of that. So everyone out there, new way to play Keyforge: get more social. Right. 
and, yeah. and props to you too for like after making day two at a vault tour, you're like, I just want to play more Keyforge. Like I, I just want oh, yeah. more of the game that I love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's why I was there. That's the kind of player I am. That's like that's why that's why I did well is because I love playing Keyforge and I've played Becky a million times. Like, you know, uh, during my lunch breaks or like when I get home or like during the weekend. Like, oh my gosh, that's the best. And so, Amazing. like, going into day two, so you are you're waking up in the morning. Did any of your friends also make day two? Um, no, unfortunately, I got to f- play next to my friend um, at the end of day one, and I got in and he didn't. Um, uh, but uh, I got the strength I got... of schedule. No, no, no. He he lost his match. Uh, it was a really really cool game, but um, I got matched up against his opponent, so it kind of worked out. Was, <laughs> uh, you got revenge. Yeah, I got revenge for him, and I got the bell. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so day two, go, going into, going into game one, you have a couple of games ahead of you. Like what, what's your mindset? What are you thinking? Is there anything, anything special going through your head? Um, going through my head is just like, I'm happy to be here. Like, honestly, like I got into day two, like I, I had been thinking about it in the context of Philly, especially, where it's like, I need to redeem myself and, like, at least play Becky to, like, her, like, natural conclusion. Because um, it felt unfair uh, to her that I, right. I was the reason why she got knocked out. So I was like, okay, at least I'll get to play. But actually, what if I got to play on stream? That'd be really cool. <laughs> And then, like, I fought really hard in my match, and, like, also, like, the the introduction of the bell, I think, made me play, like, kind of out of my mind, because I, I am a TTR fan, I was like, well, then I got the bell, so, like... <laughs> So That's just better, to, yeah. to set up the context for the listeners, TTR brought their their belt that you had to challenge whoever had it at that point in time. And so I think the first challenge had to be against, was it Justin or Nathan? Somebody somebody won it yeah. off of them. And I think then, Dave Cordero, yeah. Yeah, Dave Cordero won it off of them. And then you just challenged the person with the belt and you just you played a game of Keyforge and the winner walked away with the belt. And so going into your final match, did did JR have the belt? Um, no, I, I walked through top eight with the belt. That's amazing. Um, I beat Devin with the belt and then I got to JR and I won the first game. Uh, he did win the second game. So he did have, he did hold the belt for, you know, a quick, like a millisecond, like a quick hour. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I got it back. It's over here next to me. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) you said you beat Devin. That was, he, was he on, on Minity, the one that, that had beaten you before? No, Seminity was there. Uh, funny story, my friend Zen uh, was there with me, and day one he played against Pink Fraud and then Minity. Round one in in, in like in like he lost against Pink Fraud and then uh-huh. lost against Minity in losers round two somehow. I was like, how did that even happen? Oh my gosh! Um, it's really funny, especially because they're such similar decks, right? Um, but uh, yeah, Minity actually didn't make it into day two. Um, Devin was on a like 97 SAS uh, Woe Prospector tech. It went really nuts with offering to Killagog, um, which is an artifact that lets you like destroy your own creatures to uh, turn a creature in your discard into like uh, uh, a future token by placing it underneath offering. And it's Omni too, so you could just do yeah. turn after turn. And you can also do it if you borrow it. <gasps> Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I love I, it. I think you got to watch the end of that game. Yep, you were commentating, but um, yeah. So I borrowed that early. I, I had played him um, in the prior day, and I identified that as like something I needed to like. Absolutely, that that was the most important thing. As as good as Sandhopper is, um, that became my target, and I got it early. And I um, I noticed how slow the game was going, and I was like. Let's try this out. And I started jamming my own, I started killing off my own creatures and just jamming them under there, knowing full well that if I ever like popped it, it wouldn't even like discard them or like try to, it couldn't make token creatures. Right. I was just purging them. Oh. Um, which was uh, getting me uh, closer to the point where I got to use uh, my Exodia, uh, which is something I had talked to Devin about um, when he beat me in round four. I was like, oh, you know, when we have a slower match, like maybe I could, uh, 
Uh, maybe I can show you this really cool thing I developed after Philly. And like, what's Exodia? Uh, uh, so do you know the context of Exodia from like Yu-Gi-Oh? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So uh, you in Yu-Gi-Oh, Exodia is this five-card combo that just it wins you the game. Like, but like in the text of the cards, right? Okay. You you play all five pieces and you win. Okay. Um, and I just call it that because I have a rule of six tech that I've uh, been working on that also has to do with five cards. Got it. Um, okay. And is like extremely hard to set up. So. I, I, it's kind of like a tongue in cheek. It's like a sure. okay. silly weeb thing. Um, yeah, so I've uh, I uh, had told him I really wanted to show him that, and uh, sure enough, like the uh, I, I got to bring it in round two of day one, but like the only other time all tournament I got to play it was against Devin on like in my first streamed game. Um, Beautiful. Which was just so gratifying. Just like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, like, uh, just to be my rival with the thing. I like, I was, I called my shot. I called the judges over. And I was like, hey, I'm about to rule of six about um, uh, six or maybe seven cards. Can you keep track of them because they're gonna leave play? Yep, <laughs> that's beautiful. I love yeah. it. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. Amazing. Oh yeah, I have, so, I have lots of practice with it. it. Like obviously, it doesn't need offering for that to work, but um, uh, it it helped a little bit. Yeah, that's so really cool. In the final match, the the last match of a vault sewer, the top table is untimed best of three. What yeah. what did you think about that going into it? Like, has it been a, a different situation from every other game you've played up until that point? Yeah. Um, well, that was actually a huge issue for me um, in the in both of the previous matches. Uh, I nearly ran to time uh, in my first game, and I was playing from behind, so I was so nervous about running into right? into uh, uh, tiebreakers. Um, and then my second game, I was I was playing into this like long game combo, so I kept asking for time and. Uh, and whatnot, and trying to be mindful of that and play quickly until I needed the time. Um, but like the moment I became free, like I found myself playing like exponentially better and like uh, able to like really think through my turns and plan for that future, like I've been talking about. Um, I think both of us uh, made excellent excellent use of our time. I, I think Ewok has a, a, a certain nickname. <laughs> A reputation, uh, your oh, yeah. slow walk. Slow walk, um, and uh, <laughs> that was really funny to hear because I was like, "Oh, I feel like I took uh, just as long, if not longer, <laughs> during my <laughs> turn." That's funny. Um, our our games did last uh, actually just about time. They lasted about forty five minutes still, which is so funny. That like it, it's effectively the same, but like just that freedom to think. Um, so it was like a psychological thing that was in yeah. the way where when you didn't have that there it's you still were fine it's just you weren't concerned about it yeah yeah exactly and i think it helped both of us like stay way more calm throughout the whole thing sure um, uh i think both of us also were like we had that thing where um like a chess player or like a cellist uh, is using like so much of their brain they're like they have like no energy in their body uh -huh. I think like both of our hands were like freezing um and I like I bought some hot tea even uh, as hot as it was that day just to like hold between my hands and not even <laughs> to drink um yeah but uh the time that we had to like think uh made for like really interesting turns um where uh, we were like kind of judging like not just what um, had happened, but like what our uh, opponent like was thinking about the previous turn. Uh huh. Um, they're not really decks that um, play like a ton of mind games, so it actually made it like a little bit more um, more powerful to like. Uh, to think through your opponent's turn as well, sure. because um, like it was not going to be as complicated. 
Right. And oh, you were cool. using like borrowing, thinking of what you were going to borrow. And he was thinking of what he was going to take of yours. Yeah. And so both of your decks, that's one of the things I was commentating on. I, the, I had the honor of commentating that your games and the, the fun of watching it, like it was, it was as good as like a sports game, the back and forth. Like, are you, when you're in the mindset of playing those games, like how much does a big swing affect you? Because the games at the end there were like full back and forth. So taking the opponent off key to I'm going to go to key. And that was the last couple of turns. Yeah. Um, it's, it's terrifying, especially when you get to game three, every big swing is like, oh, I just, uh, <laughs> just wiped my board and, played, and made four tokens. What do I do? Um, yeah, it, it can be really terrifying, but, um, I think just due to his experience with Voltors and my experience with Becky, both of us were able to like stay really calm and like just knew that we had outs. Um, and play towards them. Um, so I feel like it was like just a just really clean games where like both of us were playing at our best, and it, it just came down to uh, what that best looked like. It was it was really it was really amazing. Well, you absolutely put on a fantastic, amazing show. Like it was so great to watch and you did so well. Uh, con- congratulations again, just because you, mm-hmm. I, I am so so happy for how how it turned out um and so just last thoughts on that what was what can you your overall impression of the weekend like if you had to summarize the weekend in in a couple of words what 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 would you say about the roseville vault tour i would just say that it was really obvious that everybody there loved keyforge and that's 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 why i I loved being there that is so awesome and i just want to really emphasize how much you love playing a deck and taking the time to play it over and over again has paid off dividends for you, literally. And um, that's 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 something I'm now going to do. I got to find I got to find which deck this is, though, to be honest with you. But um, I I do I'm very bad. I've never played a single deck a hundred times. So I I need to get <laughs> on this this boat that you have sailed in on and and shown has a lot of merit. So uh, I want to do that. And uh, thank you so much for for providing that insight. But of of course, we cannot end an episode without our titular segment. And of course, we call this one Help from Future future Self. self. June, I understand you do have a lesson for your future self. Future self for future self. I like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One future self to another. Um, I actually am cheating. I have a two-parter. And so my advice would be uh, know your deck. And I don't just mean the 36 cards, but like know your deck as the game is being played and like your deck is changing because that is what defines like your future and like what your next turns are going to look like and something that tco has really taught me is that like that's extremely powerful knowledge and obviously the more like you know your full 36 cards the less time it takes you to figure out what's going to come next but um knowing what you're playing into and not just the big cards, which I we've all played like that. We're like knowing like, oh, I have TMTP in my deck. I have like these many miasmas or like I need library uh, access. We all know that. But like knowing when even like, when is your Gamgee coming up? Like, <laughs> like it can be important. Um, and uh, planning for that, uh, it, it all those small changes make a big difference. And here's my second uh, part is that once you start doing that, um, is like once you start knowing what your deck is, assume you're going to be lucky. Um, uh, you know, if you have two damage ready on your turn, um, but you know you have a lot of, like I know I have a lot of three damage cards in my deck, or a few of them, um, and my opponent has like a two power creature or a mother, you know, throw it at the mother. You know, just just know Ooh. that like you you have a chance at being lucky, and like you will not be lucky unless you set yourself up for it. You know, uh, luck comes to those who who uh, expect it. I think that's amazing. I love that so much. The fact that you're playing like a winner makes you a winner. Yes, isn't there a say, saying like luck favors the prepared, and so you prepared, exactly. and then the luck comes. Yeah, and like over over 20, 30 decisions like that throughout a game, 
it will happen. Um, not every time, obviously. Um, but like the, when it happens, like you'll be like it, it, those are the differences that can absolutely win you those games that are so tight. Amazing. Love that. I just, had, I just wanted to follow up real quick because I, I noticed you said something quite interesting about um, knowing what to expect, things like that. How have you found winds of exchange in this whole process because of, of the fact that when you're making a token, you are losing a control piece that you normally would have if it didn't exist? Because normally you know, okay, well, I haven't got this card yet. I will get it. Now you have the chance of this card's going to become something that I can potentially not use. Um, what is your experience with that or your thoughts on that? So my immediate experience is that it's addicted me to cards like Sandhopper and uh, Scoop Up that allow you to mitigate that uh, feeling of losing a key card. The okay. other thing is that it also like provides so much more information as the like what's coming up. Like those are um, uh, cards that you won't see, but they're effectively like extra information um, as to uh, like you're you're digging even deeper. Um, and you you know where everything is, so it can be a really powerful tool in itself. As far as, as far as the pain of like losing all of your amber control is, I mean, sometimes you just don't draw it. You know, it's like the same thing to me. Fair, okay, yeah. Just play like it's at the bottom of your deck. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, kill off those creatures so they are at the bottom of your deck. Nice. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you so much, June, for coming on. Uh, your your insight and perspective on being a Vault Tour winner, playing a deck until you still love it and love it some more um, is I've never heard of anyone hitting a thousand. You're the first person I've actually heard say that before. So I think that is amazing, and I love that perspective you've brought, including the four player KeyForge. That information <laughs> yeah. just is something fun to do at your like. I mean, you get four people at a game store. I mean, why not yeah. do that instead of just playing a, a very sad tournament, right? So <laughs> I, I think that's uh, these are all great things you brought to the table for our listeners today. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. Um, this is amazing. I like the moment uh, Sid and I made it into top eight. I was like, well, maybe like maybe like, come on. It's so, it just <laughs> seems so serendipitous that you know, like future self, and like we finally made it. And uh, yeah. This is this was this was really fun. Thank y'all for having me. I did not expect to talk about four player keyforge at all. That was, <laughs> no, this was great. I'm so glad yeah. you did. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. And if people wanted to reach out to you in some way, what is the best way to do that? Hmm. Um or are you not trying to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could email me if you had to. Um okay. oh geez. Uh do you want to just post it in like the the yeah, uh, definitely. The bio, my name is not easy to spell. All right, so so June's email, if you wish to to send your congrats or or pick yeah. June's brain on anything, uh, we'll have the email in the show notes. Okay. All right. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Sid. No worries. Yeah. And so um, if you wish to reach out to Sydney or I, you can find us in our Discord. I go under Boulevard Blake. Sydney goes under SC Steel. And um, please do share this podcast. If you haven't already liked it or left a review on Apple, we would love if you would do that if you enjoy this. And um, Sydney, do you have anything going on you want to share? I'm super excited. I'm definitely going to Vegas. Uh, Dallas is up in the air at the moment. But um, other than that, uh, Kingston will find out when that date is because it could possibly be on the Vegas date. But other than that, as much Keyforge in person as, as humanly possible. Amazing. So um, until next time, listeners, stay forging.